0: this is gonna this is gonna sound convincing because I don't I haven't, I haven't actually done it but if I was like you know there's going to be um, a blue unicorn that shows up in three years you know yeah. and it's it's made in a lab you know with a horse and a crazy scientist yeah charity thing yeah I was one of those street charity salespeople that would you know stop yeah, over those... when you're rushing to work <laughs> that was the hardest thing you could do mm. because you literally get rejected A hundred times,
1: a hundred times an hour. Hi everyone, welcome back to The Unemployed Graduate. I'm your host, Jenny. My guest today is someone I look up to as an older brother, even though we're not that far apart in age. And rightfully so, because his achievements as an entrepreneur are everything but ordinary. He is the CEO and co-founder of a virtual reality startup, which is undoubtedly pioneering the integration of VR into industries such as real estate, design, and engineering. I truly believe he is in the business of the future. And I had to bring him on for any of you who have dreamed about running a tech startup yourself. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Justin Liang. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Super excited to be on your podcast.
1: Thank you for coming on. So lucky to have you and thank you for your time. It's very precious. No, thank you. So, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you do?
0: Yeah, I think you've done a pretty good job. But uh, I am the CEO <laughs> of InSpace XR and uh, InSpace XR creates virtual reality technology, uh, as you said, to to really transform the way that buildings are designed, and constructed, and sold. And the problem we're solving is that. You know, globally, the construction industry industry spends fifty five billion dollars in uh, building mistakes because people oh, can't wow. understand floor plans. Mm. People buy apartments based on floor plans and they get disappointed. People renovate based on you know two D floor plans and then want to make changes once it's too late. So, InSpace XR allows people to upload their floor plans, put VR goggles on, and explore any physical space before it exists. And uh, InSpace XR works with some of the largest real estate companies in the world today, across retail, commercial, uh, infrastructure, um, and and residential.
1: That sounds amazing. Um, and I know that your very first product is out Riverfox, and that one is for for architectures and for design.
0: Yeah, that's right. So Riverfox. Allows any architect around the world to download our software, uh, translate their own architecture designs, which they've already made, Mm. into virtual reality experiences that their clients can understand. Mm. And uh, yeah, you know, these clients of these architects are literally standing inside a house that hasn't been built yet, which is going to be their future home.
1: And Mm. they're usually
0: just stoked and tell everyone about it.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing. Like to be able to literally step into the design for the client and the designer, that must be game changing. Yeah. So, um I want to backtrack first and actually get to know you, the human being behind InSpace XR, because I think it's very important to get to know um who is behind a company. So what did six year old Justin aspire to be when he grew up?
2: Uh <laughs> yeah, good me. question. Um
0: I th- think at six I wanted to own my own
1: hotel chain at six yeah
0: that's a really weird thing for a six year that's
1: insane where did you even get this idea how how did you even know about hotel chains
0: yeah and I think it's just because I so my family uh, was connected in, into some pretty large property developers mm. in both Australia and China and uh, one of my uncles owned this hotel chain and he just had everything and wow. he was able to just provide, you know, for everyone. And I think that's where it subconsciously happened. Yeah. Um. I don't think it was like a, you know, visceral interest in like
1: hotel
0: <laughs> Management or yeah. anything. It
1: just seemed cool, like how your uncle could provide with what he was, was doing.
0: I just linked it to that guy. And
1: yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I can't even remember what, what I wanted to do. I think, yeah, the closest would probably be people told me i i could sing so i was like oh i might be a singer but the thought of my future or career never even came up when i was that little
0: yeah you should be a singer
1: <laughs> no, so, no um yeah i was probably just like running around in the dirt like eating dirt and playing with the cows so it's it's crazy i was probably
0: eating dirt too <laughs> and wanting to build a hotel chain
1: uh i mean we we all got to start somewhere so it kind of is amazing how now you're Somewhat related to that six year old dream, but in such a different way
0: kind of yeah, do you
1: think about that like
0: yeah well I think it i the way I think about it is like buildings, whether it's hotels or airports or tunnels, we spend so much of our lives inside buildings, so if we if we could improve the way that buildings are yeah designed and constructed, then by definition we'll improve the lives of many people mm. Yeah.
1: I never thought of it that way. But yeah. you're absolutely right. You're you're changing the way we live.
0: Yeah, just you know, even how proactive we are inside an office space, you know, how happy we feel with how much light comes in, how mm. sound effects really really affect us. All of that stuff. You know, I've come to appreciate architecture accidentally mm. through the technology that we're building. That's amazing.
1: Well, um we'll delve more into that later on, but I wanted to backtrack again, but this time, um, can you talk me through your career path? So, if we were going right back to uni, um, how did you end up here?
0: Yeah, so I went to a UNSW and did a yep, bachelor's yep. of economics. New
1: South, New South the
0: best. <laughs> and I did economics because it was like the closest thing to business. Mm. Um, and I kind of generally wanted a business, but I wasn't really interested in textbook business, so right. i just I think I just couldn't wait so I just started my own first business, mm. which was a music events company uh basically, yeah. we just hired out you know venues in the city and just sold two three hundred tickets every weekend um wow. and just sold, yeah, like you know a nightclub event um and you know at eighteen when you run nightclub events. Your grades are just terrible, (laughs) (laughs) but but you have a lot of fun.
1: Mm.
0: Um, You have a lot of fun, and you also get a little bit cocky because
1: that you were making like
0: yeah, you know, you're meeting you're meeting all these artists, you're making money. You obviously skip the line, right? You like you tell the bouncers what to do. Yeah, yeah. Everyone tries to be a friend to get in, and so yeah, a lot of you know it was it was just so much fun doing that. But at the same time, from a business perspective, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, hey, we throw parties, we, char- like we charge tickets for it, we take a clip off what the bar makes. And the economics are pretty simple. Mm. But apart from that, you know, there was no detailed financial plan. It was just...
1: Wow. You just kind of jumped jumped in. I just and... jumped
0: in. And, you know, I was so interested and focused on that, that I my grades were just like, yeah, I wasn't... I was barely at university. You know, mm. I just um, had to depend on some really good friends to let me copy <laughs> their work.
1: Um, I think a lot of students would relate to that, that feeling of not being able to relate to that textbook theory of business. We kind of um, strive for and kind of yearn for that real life practical experience. And mm. it's amazing that you actually went out and did it. Whereas I'd say, majority of students, we would think about it, but we wouldn't take that bold step. Has that always been a part of sort of your per- personality and ambition to just want something and then to go out and build it right away?
0: Yeah, at that time, at the time, it was just like, this is more fun than university. So that's what I do. So I didn't really think like, yeah, oh, true. this is practical business experience. Yeah. yeah. But now I would definitely say that, you know, if you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars doing an MBA, that's like two years, three years, you might as well just borrow that money and try and build a business because you're going to get way more experience from doing
1: that. Learn way more.
0: Learn way more because, and I'm not saying go and do that, like, you know.
1: No, I think you should own it. I think consider um, Consider
0: consider your financial situation, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be that extreme. But there are so many people who do MBA degrees.
2: Yeah
0: uh you know master business all all this kind of stuff and come out and you know i don't think they could you know i don't think they could like run a simple coffee shop for their life yeah because there is just so much more to running a business than what they teach you in the textbook mm,
1: that's insane i mean the narrative is changing about um college mm. and, and getting a degree and i think it's such a critical time um, to share stories and experiences such as yours and, and telling people that, you know what, maybe you don't need that degree. And um yeah, there's other other ways to delve into your passions and start something and it's crazy that you say you learn more mm. by taking that college fee and going to build something of your own. Yeah. So in saying that, what are some of the fears that you had to overcome when you decided to start in spaceXr mm. Did you have like financially were you like all set like saved up and like ready to go or
0: From the music events business I had a you know a bit of savings that I could play with. So
1: even though you kind of like winged that you still were successful. Oh yeah, and, still and left the, and the still left it profit. with yeah
0: a good pool of money. That's amazing. Um I spent a lot of it on just like play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no I, I had a bit And so that, and also just working two, three years in corporate as well, just having saved up some. Um, Yeah. So I went from university uh, to AMP, the uh, financial services company slash bank, and, uh, you know, did the graduate program there um, and then ended up in venture capital.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: So the venture capital team at AMP was new. And the whole job was to meet with startups, startup founders. Here, really, uh, Here's some really great ideas, some really like questionable ideas as well. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you would just learn about technology. So the three technologies I focused on was artificial intelligence, uh, fintech, financial technology, and then augmented and virtual reality. And when I was doing, uh, when I was covering virtual reality, the first time I went out and met up with a VR startup, And put a vr headset on Mm. my mind was just blown yeah i was just standing in a world that just didn't exist Mm. i think it was like a minecraft world or something so anyway back to your question so uh that unit got shut down after a while and at the time i was just super into vr anyway and yeah it just seems really obvious that there was a problem in real estate and you could use virtual reality to solve it at the time it still sounded a little bit crazy Like, you know, are we really going to change the way the entire real estate industry works?
1: Was VR quite new at that time as well?
0: Yeah, VR, like, you know, the really, the first versions of, you know, I think the Oculus had just came out. It was, you know, VR as an industry has been around for decades, but like the commercial aspect of people actually thinking about it from a business sense, Mm -hmm. I think is quite new. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, you know, it sounded a little bit crazy. So I think. Back to your question on what the fears were, the fears weren't really, you know. Do I think VR is going to be the future of this industry? I think I had enough conviction then. Like I was right. like, you know, I know it. I think it was more about, am I going to be the one that actually changes the industry for good? Mm. And you know, like I'm a, I'm a, ki- I'm a young kid at the time,
2: right? Probably still how was, old were
1: you then? Uh, 20, 22, 23. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a big that's a big thing to take on for a 22 year old to think i'm going to change the world with this vr thing and change yeah
0: and you know it's not it's just you don't know if you can you don't you don't have mm. a lot of experience uh and especially a uh, technology product
1: yeah it's not the same as when you started the nightclub business where you're quite acquainted with well the environment
0: well yeah i mean i i didn't know how to write a single line of code
1: mm. so
0: when it came to building technology i was like how do i do this Mm. i have no idea even where to start and that was probably the scary thing the fear that i didn't have was that oh you know all these people are going to get promoted and you know get ahead in their careers and what if i you know what if this thing fails like that fear doesn't cross my mind because in my mind it was always like so what if i fail like if I build this and I lose, the worst thing that happens is I just get another job and I just end up where I started, which is where everyone else is anyway. Not that it's bad to have a job, you know, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. I didn't have that fear because of that.
1: I guess the same people in your position would be thinking, well, A&P is a great like grad program to be in. And um I'm sure a lot of graduates would aspire to go there. Um You didn't have that fear of I'm going to lose this staple well, your your team did close down, like they, the yeah. the team got shut down. Yeah, so in a way, I was it didn't pushed. cross your mind that oh, maybe I should um get like another nine to five while I pursue this. You were kind of like all in.
0: Well, it was funny because that. I yeah, in a way, I I was kind of naturally pushed into it because the unit got shut down. Yeah, and when the unit got shut down, I knew I had a f- I could look for a job straight away,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or I could just you know just give this thing a crack. And when what I mean by give this thing a crack is, I just picked up the phone and I just started calling real estate (laughs) companies. Wow. Yeah, and being like, hey, you know, is virtual reality a thing? Do you think it's going? It's going to work in your industry? And then people were really interested. So when I went and you know, I bought a VR headset. I like downloaded a demo, which wasn't even mine, but I just showcased this technology, and people hadn't seen this technology. So when I took it to the marketing managers of some really big real estate companies, mm. they were like, wow, we want this.
1: But you didn't have anything. No, I
0: didn't have that anything. At that time, you
1: had no product, you had no company. You just had this idea and this strive to want to do something.
0: Yeah, I built a website in like three hours yeah. and just started jump. I just jumped on LinkedIn and just started messaging people.
1: Wow. does that it. That's insane.
0: but it's not really because I mean who can't do that because it's not a capability thing there's Mm, nothing special mm. about me right like building a website these days is really easy going on LinkedIn you just you just message people like there's nothing technically hard about it
2: you know but
1: you in my impression you've always been someone who's um, really good at talking to people you've always been that kind of guy that's yeah, super easy to talk to, and um, I guess for a lot of people, even that first step is so hard. Shutting down those voices of fear of like, what if I fail? What if I I studied? I have a degree. I did I got a degree for this. What like, how do I make that leap? So I guess it's actually quite innate to you that sort of jump and drive to just go, I'm doing it. Yeah, and like just picking up the phone and going like, Are you guys interested in VR? But I guess that time you didn't even fully. Did you do enough research to know what kind of...
0: Well, not really, but... Well, I mean, I did to an extent, but, I mean, why do you why do you think people, you know, wouldn't pick up the phone? Like, what's the main reason people don't do that? And yeah, I think kind of most thing. people, that's, that thought is scary because they think they'll get rejected.
2: Mm, what if I pick plot. up the phone
0: and the other person on the line, like, laughs at me? And then most people just don't do it. They go, no, that's too scary. But it's like, so what? Hmm. These people don't know you. If you pick up the phone a hundred times and a hundred people scream at you, so what? Mm. Yeah, like you're not gonna die, right? You'll just, but you'll learn that they're not interested, which Mm. is fine. Which is all right. Maybe that's not the idea they want. Try another idea. Call another hundred people.
1: Wow, I'm I'm the type of person that overthinks. Like I would have those thoughts. Yeah. Of like, what if like. Or I can't just like, you know, I had studied all these years for, for my degree and we just picking up the phone and pitching this idea that I don't even know fully well yet, um, I think is very, very brave. And do you think that's a quality that an entrepreneur and a business owner should have? Just that grit and bravery to do what you did, just get out there.
0: Yeah, I, def- the I definitely think having some thick skin helps. Being able to take rejection and not taking it personally. I mm. think is quite important.
1: I remember you had worked for like a non profit, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. As a like you're great at selling and I read that you were very strategic about how you started. You went out and sold hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of services before your first tech hire. Mm. So you're obviously great at selling. But um how It's interesting did you-,
0: you bring up the charity thing because I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. The charity thing, yeah, I was one of those street charity salespeople that would, you know, stop yeah, over those... when you're <laughs> rushing to work and like, oh, those hey. like annoying people yeah. that were
1: like waiting for you, lurking yeah. at the station. I was Like, hey, what did you buy? Grocery to... <laughs> bag, <laughs> trying to make eye contact yeah. with you, yeah. and so that was what you did. You yeah,
0: started... so I did that for, you know, a good three to six months, and
1: was that hard at first? And or... that
0: was that was the hardest thing you could do hmm. because. You literally get rejected a hundred times, a hundred times an hour, and and yeah. So I actually uh topped New South Wales in for, sales. Yeah, for, yeah, in sales for my wow. for my charity, and and that whole job was hard because you're literally selling. No, well, you, you're not you're not selling nothing, but you don't have a product or service you can exchange. Yeah,
1: you're, the consumer you're selling, doesn't take. Yeah, they don't take anything away anything. You're
0: asking them to sign up and give you sixty or eighty dollars a month. Yeah, there's a vision behind it and it's true. And I'm, I was a true believer in it. And yeah, you know, it's great organization and everything. And I really respect those people, but that kind of links to selling, being able to sell, you know, a $120,000 contract before I even had a product. Yeah. Because all of that stuff had really prepared me for it. Yeah. You know, it's like. I've been rejected a hundred times a minute. I've sold all right. And here I am selling a new technology that I knew was going to change the world. So, I mean, why wouldn't you give me $120,000 for it? That was a really shitty job, but it ended up being being one of the worst and best jobs. Mm. Because, and you know, sometimes really shit jobs can do that for you.
1: Mm. I I completely Mm. agree. Um, So... Leading from that question, InSpaceXR has won several pitches, including the highly coveted Alibaba Cloud Startup Competition, and you were also backed by the New South Wales Department of Industry. How do you sell an idea? How do you get others to believe in your vision?
0: So I think the first thing is you need to genuinely believe in your vision
1: yourself. because
0: other people can feel it. Mm. Yeah. You need to have so much conviction that it's a bit like you went into the future and saw the world was going to be a certain way. And you came back and you told people. Wow. Yeah. And like if I came back and I was like, <laughs> this is going <laughs> to, this is going to sound convincing because I don't, I haven't, I haven't actually done it. But if I was like, you know, there's going to be um, a blue unicorn that shows up in three years, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's made in a lab, you know, with a horse and a crazy scientist. Yeah. And yeah, like you should prepare. For, I don't know, but you <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So, so, um, you know, the future that we paint at in space is that anyone who is going to design or build a building will see exactly what it's like before they spend a dollar on construction. Mm. They'll literally walk inside it. And I just know that to be true. so uh
1: none of this bullshit with like 2d and sketches and like
0: yeah and you know i i I just believe it so i think if you put that vision out there and sometimes you know believing it doesn't mean you you know it necessarily Mm. it's like when muhammad ali kept saying way before he even knew it he was like oh i'm the greatest i'm the greatest i'm the greatest Mm. at early stages of his career um he kept saying it. he believed in it before he even knew it so i think believing it is 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 really important
1: yeah i absolutely agree like there's something to manifesting that brings your vision and belief to life Mm. just like how muhammad ali said kept telling himself like i think there's something profound in that and so yeah believe in your blue unicorn guys like go preach that blue unicorn like it really exists yeah Um, be prophetic
2: about it mm. um
0: and then the other thing I would say about vision is if you're going to present a vision, it can be the same vision but different angles depending who you're pitching it to for mm. them to buy in. Mm. So at InSpace, yeah, we, you know, we use virtual reality to change real estate, but to architects, we help them become better artists. Mm. To real estate agents, we help them sell more real so, estate. Yeah. For property developers, we help them reduce construction mistakes. Yeah. So it's the same vision, but you yeah. need to tell it in a way that people actually care about for them
1: mm, and step into the consumers that you're trying to sell to yeah yeah that's i think that's amazing advice and so as the ceo and, and as a leader what are some of the untold truths that you wish people would know about being a leader about being the one calling the shots and making the decision
0: unknown truth um well what do you think it like what would you expect you untold know a, a leader or, or a ceo to be and then i can tell you whether okay that's
1: well true. i feel like it's definitely hard. I think um, at the end of the day, you feel empowered that you can call the shots. And um, it's pretty cool to be a boss. That's kind of my impression.
0: It is really rewarding. Like one of the really surprising things to me is how much I enjoy job creation. Like making... Yeah, just producing jobs that people love. And yeah, because there are so many jobs that people rock up and hate. And, you know, at InSpace, people really show up right so show up to win like ready to play excited and I really like creating that environment um some of the untold truths it's it's definitely not all about calling the shots Mm. I think it's about helping people in your team to call the right shots you know um using yourself as a bouncing board for their ideas and really and also it's not about being smart it's it's, well I mean it's what what you what you really have to be good at is finding really smart people mm. and convincing convincing them to jump on board mm. and yeah getting them to tell you what to do because if you're the ceo and you're making the decisions around the sales strategy around you know accounting and financials around hr then there's a big problem mm. because you're not an expert in all those things you should hire people Um, to help you make the decisions or make those decisions and just try and make sense of them.
1: Yeah, I I think that's something that stood out when you described to me your team and how much you loved working with them and that they inspire you and they complete the puzzle and where your weaknesses are and you guys really work together. So I guess from that, I I can understand that the leader isn't leading by himself and saying, guys, follow me. You're working together as a team and you're collectively moving forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's it's different at different stages of businesses. In the beginning, when it was like just me and mm. maybe one or two other people, then yeah. as leader, you really need to be the star player because you need to do everything. Okay. You need to sell because you don't have money to yeah, hire yeah. people. And then I think where we're at now, it's more like I've I always used the analogy that our team is like a sports team. And my job is to pick the right players, mm. to call the right plays. And I'm kind of in this half captain, half coach position where I'm still playing on the field. Like I'm still out there on the front line doing sales. You know, I'm still, you know, front line in operations and getting stuff done and, you know, picking up the hardware in traveling. But at the same time, I need to transition into a coach role where I, you know, help people become better Mm -hmm. and not try and do their jobs for them, Mm -hmm. but really kind of be on the sidelines at times. And. And yeah, and just cheer them on while while you know they do uh, do the role that we we put them in.
1: And what are some things you have to sacrifice in your day to day?
0: Sleep, sleep. <laughs> 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 um, no, you know what? To be honest, you, you're gonna have to work hard. Like there is no getting around it.
1: There's no shortcut. There is in no that shortcut.
0: Sense. Some people are like, oh, you know, it's not about working hard. Work. It's about working smart. Like mm. y- it's both. Mm. Yeah. You need to work hard and to work smart. And sometimes that just means you don't get to hang around your friends as much, you don't get to spend as much time with your family. But that's pretty much it. I just wish I could spend more time with my friends and family. But that's the only sacrifice to make, which, is, you know, a pretty big one. But yeah. Um you can still make it work. Yeah. Mm.
1: I, I think it's not about how much time you spend with your friends and family. It's about even if you have thirty minutes, can you spend quality time yeah, with them?
2: Absolutely. I mean that's
1: that's kind of the, the difference, right? and i think understanding that and making that sacrifice is is hard for a lot of um people who want to go into business themselves so i actually want to take this time now to talk about something a little bit more personal um so there's not many entrepreneurs that talk about faith and as i'm researching for this session i didn't find any instance where you've spoken about your faith and so what kind of role does faith play in your identity
0: yeah yeah it's not something that, you know, typically comes up in podcasts and interviews
1: and stuff. Especially yeah, like relating to business.
0: Yeah, especially relating to business. But yeah, faith, you know, I'm a, a lot of people don't know this. I'm a huge man of faith. I, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I think the, the, the two ways it really affects me is uh, confidence. So, you know, by definition, um, as a Christian, I believe that there is a God uh, that's on my side and mm. you know has died for me and yeah just waking up knowing that the god of the universe is on your side it's really hard to not it's really hard to be afraid of stuff right like no matter what the day throws at you what situa situations play out and i've been through some pretty heavy dark situations and mm. just having that faith has just pulled me through yeah so you know that's one thing and the second thing is just adventure like knowing that you know, I have a plan to do these things, but God probably has way crazier plans for me. Um yeah, I'm just super excited about the unpredictability mm. of the path that God has ahead and I think that's all part of the fun.
1: I, I think that's that's obviously a very different um conversation that most business owners have and especially entrepreneurs because the present motif in this discussion is is all about the hustle the grind uh influence you know dominating the game and and money so what kind of perspective does your faith give you when it comes to making money running your business and uh, being an entrepreneur
0: I think those motives that you just described like grind hustle money influence there's there's still things you need in like to win a business you need those things
2: mm.
0: they're not bad things like hustle grind you know money they're they're all beautiful things mm. I think where it's a little different from me is the why okay. And I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a lot more interested in the impact and, you know, fulfilling my potential that's God given and then fulfilling the calling. I think that is way more exciting than the money bit.
2: Okay.
0: And I think maybe also because the money bit, I have enough at the moment, you know, like I can I buy the food that I want and go to the place I want to go. I can support my friends and family. So, you know, having more money like doesn't affect me that, that much. Mm. Um, but the thing where money is really interesting for me, and where I don't think is bad, is you know, money can do a lot for uh, the causes that are you know, like for example, um, compassion is a charity that I love,
2: mm.
0: and you know, I sponsor a few kids there at the moment. But yeah, I want to do more for that. Like you know, mm. if we can make more money, if we can give those charities more, then that would be great. Um, yeah, I I think there's a lot of hurt and pain in the world still. And if we can make some money and, you know, relieve that a little bit, then that'd be pretty cool.
1: Mm. I think um, a lot of people attach this kind of negative connotation towards making money and um, like wanting money and wanting to make money. And it's interesting that from your perspective, it's not about attaining it for the sake of attaining it. It's not even about attaining it for, for the sake of ultimately to grow your business, but you're thinking about giving it away
0: there's no doubt that like it's really hard to change things without some wealth and some influence yeah, yeah. right mm. like you can have the best intentions in the world but um yeah sometimes you just need to do that and yeah for me you know making i'll probably make some and you know if i'm if i'm lucky enough to i'll i'll, I'll be able to give it away yeah mm.
1: and so with your faith in mind um is in SpaceX going to be a big part of your legacy, and what what do you believe is your purpose? I know it's a big question to ask. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not something you would just. Ah,
0: oh, wow, that is.
1: What do you think is your purpose? Because I find that even for me, um, and I I'm sure a lot of people go through the same thing. Is always well, I always feel lost about what, what my purpose is. And um, I'm sure a lot of young adults out there are also looking for their purpose. So for you, someone who is running a business of the future Mm. and um, a man of faith, what do you think is your ultimate purpose?
0: I don't think it has to be one huge ultimate purpose on a billboard. Mm. I think, you know, you can pick a purpose today. And the purpose I picked today is I want to uh, transform the way that the building industry does things for the better Mm. and yeah that's the purpose i'm working towards the moment you know after in space i might pick another purpose Mm. it might be business related Mm. it might be a charity it might be something else and the purpose you have today doesn't have to be the purpose that you have for the rest of your life right i think if you just find ways to make yourself useful and positive even in small ways like Mm. yes my purpose is that but my purpose is also to be a great son, it's to be a great brother, mm. it's to be a great friend, it's to be a great boyfriend, having positive impact in as many ways, as many little ways pos- as possible. And then I think that that ripples, you know, a lot mm. of people have this huge thing of like, you know, I, I need to be the best,
1: like a very grand kind grand of, from
0: the world. you know, I need to like, you know, change, uh, I need to build a new iPhone or something. It's mm. like, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. But you can still be really impactful in really small ways, and it really ripples out.
1: Just by the day to day, I, I yeah. really like that. Actually, you've um, you've kind of given me a bit of an epiphany. I've always been looking for like what is my big purpose, like what is that one purpose that I'm going to carry to. Till- the end of time or whatever but what you've just said right now really makes sense like waking up and thinking about what am i going to do today is a more substantial and step-by-step way of of even slowly figuring out what you want to do and um yeah some profound stuff man (laughs) 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 i can't believe like how old are you you Uh,
0: i just turned 26
1: yeah I, i can't believe you're 26 like your mind is so much more mature and Every time I speak to you, my, I feel like a little would, baby. Uh, my
0: girlfriend would uh, disagree with the maturity. I, of oh my gosh, I um, feel
1: like a baby when i was speaking to you. But um, it's been so such an amazing session. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Where can they find you?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, do I want to be found? Um, <laughs> well, you know the best. Uh, I. Feature quite a bit on the InSpace XR Instagram, mm-hmm. so if people want to follow that journey, uh, it's just
1: at InSpaceXR. XR.
0: It's just at InSpace I N Space S P A C E X R dot com.
2: Yep,
1: yeah.
0: that's the Instagram handle. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, um, I don't mind introductions through you know people I know.
1: Mm. Mm. And um, do you have any final thoughts?
0: Um, no, just good luck to you know all your listeners. Do some crazy shit.
1: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. If you made it this far, please know I am eternally grateful and hope you've walked away having learned something valuable. You can find snippets and highlights of the show and also follow along with my personal journey as a lost millennial over at Instagram at theunemployedgraduate underscore or Facebook at theunemployedgraduate, as well as detailed show notes and links over at my website, www.theunemployedgraduate.com.au. I'll catch you in the next one.